0: Welcome to the Geeky Geek Podcast, where we're catching up this week. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. But we're not mustarding. What? Oh, I get it. Um, today, we're talking... It actually took me that long. That's sad. Um, today, we're just talking about geekery, because we had a ton of... Well, I had some shows and a couple other things mixed in, but mostly, we had a lot of games in the last week that we've played and thought about and talked about. So, maybe I'll go first and get some of my other things out of the way, and then we'll dive into games for a while. Yeah. It looks like a while. Yeah,
1: you've got... And you've got quite a bit of stuff on yours, too, and I want to
0: hear about a couple of yours uh, that are not games, so go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I watched some TV in the last couple weeks. I watched all of Silicon Valley Season 5, and there's not a ton to say about it, except if you like the other seasons of Silicon Valley, you'll like this one. It's kind of more the same, but my wife and I still really enjoy that show. We just don't like it strung out like week after week so we wait till the end of the season for silicon valley now and then we just binge the whole thing because it's an extremely yeah. like we watch the whole thing in one night because they're half hour episodes Oh wow!
1: okay 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 i was about to say that's a that's a pretty intense session but if they're half hour episodes it's perfectly doable especially yeah. if it's a short season
0: Yeah. And it's HBO. So I think the longest season of it was like 10 episodes. And this season was like eight or nine. So it was it was very doable in one night. So we did that. So it's like watching maybe three or four episodes
1: of uh, of an hour long drama that you're going to try to binge. So that's really, really not that bad to say you've watched the entire thing in one night. Yes. And speaking of I started
0: Westworld season two.
1: Okay, I didn't even know this was on. That was one of the reasons I wanted to hear about what you think about it this season, because I had completely missed that it was even airing.
0: I, I like it, but it's a slower build up. I should say that I'm okay. through episode five, so I'm halfway through the season. And I think the show is actually through episode seven. I haven't been keeping up week to week. I basically, okay. I waited to watch it. I told my mom, because I knew my mom was watching it week to week. I said, tell me when it gets good. Because I I wanted there to be enough there to like really dig into. And she I, I asked every week as it came out. And um after the fourth episode, she said, okay, you should watch it now. And I finally got around to it a week later. So Okay. I the thing is, I think what happened is that season one was like fairly self-contained. Like they could walk away from the story if they wanted to. And yeah. now that they got Greenlit to do the series and they wanted to remember they took a year off to like actually Script not script the whole thing, but like um, plot the whole thing beginning to end yeah. for the rest of the series, not just the season. So mm-hmm. I think what happened is the beginning of season two is the setup for the rest of everything all the way through season four or five or whatever it's going to okay. be. So it starts kind of slow because it's building to a lot more than just one season worth. So the first three episodes are very much like set up and slower and not bad, but just not great. And then episode four is where it really kicks off and it's like, okay, now I'm hooked. So right. I really liked episode four and episode five and I got to get back and watch the rest, but I like it.
1: Good, because I'd seen one, the only, the reason I knew that it was on is because I saw, I think it is io9 that does a, something called morning spoilers is one of their, their, col- not columns, I guess, yeah, I guess it's a column where they just post, things that they found out and kind of leaks and everything and the image they had uh gave like i thought it was a parody of westworld when they were talking about it like i thought it was a satire article uh because of the title and i looked into it and was like no i guess the show's on and that was an episode and it's like huh and i don't want to say anything for people who haven't seen it um but yeah, it was really a spoiler that I think is kind of weird that made me realize it was on, and so I haven't I haven't watched it yet because I'm waiting until the entire season's done, and I want to watch the first season with Jennifer and then go through this one like you guys did with uh, Silicon Valley.
0: Yeah, so it was good. I liked it. It's... I don't know. I, I got to watch more of it before I have a fully formed opinion. Just if you like the first season, uh, there's enough there now that you can really dig into it. Just give it a couple episodes. Um, and then the other thing that I want to mention, especially for you, is that Noclip has a podcast now. I didn't know that. This was what
1: I wanted to get into before the games because i I was actually looking on their uh, face, not Facebook, their Twitter page the other day uh, to see if they had any new documentaries coming out, and uh, I didn't see any. And so
0: I see this in your notes, and I'm like, How did I miss that they had a podcast all this time? Well, they didn't have it all this time. There's one intro episode that's like a four minute explanation, and then there's one real episode. So okay, they basically said like like because they have all this good access to developers now not every story um they don't have the budget to do every story as a video and also not every story needs to be a video and it's so much easier to produce an audio version of it so they're going to start doing documentaries not to complement the other ones but kind of like adjacent to the videos if that makes sense like if they think it's a better fit for audio they'll just do it as an audio documentary in the podcast where it's just like an hour. I think the first one was about an hour. Um, but it was good. It was really interesting. It was about Steam Spy and the guy who started it up and what happened with all of the GDPR affecting like the way that oh. Steam handles their stuff and how it kind of got rid of Steam Spy and then how he was working around it. It was really, really interesting to read. Or not read, listen wow. to. Um, yeah, that yeah, sounds it was great.
1: Good. Yeah, because that's the kind of thing that made me really like the Nintendo Power podcast uh, at first. I haven't actually gone back and listened to any of it since the initial episode. But that's the kind of thing that made me really like it is getting in with those those insiders that you don't really have access to in any other medium other than these kind of audio interviews that was kind of like that video i actually tweeted you today with the marketing manager of dragon quest 11 it was just hearing this guy talk about it that while it was pr it wasn't necessarily a uh like a press conference kind of thing with the it was the interview and those i love those kinds of things so this
0: this is definitely going to be downloaded for me and there's also two videos that they're going to release soon, like documentaries. They're normal ones. Um, they just announced it this week. So there's uh, Bethesda, like history of Bethesda, start to finish, or not finish, but start to current time. Um, that's that's gonna... what made me click into their their Twitter page. You okay. say that, and I'm like, "Yep, that was." I saw a tweet and clicked through and was looking at it. That's what it was. Yeah. So that's coming out this week, like right before E3 or right near the start of E3, and then the one coming out after E3 week or in the middle of it, I can't remember the exact timing, is the making of Fallout 76. So I'm sure we're going to get a ton of details on Fallout 76 with the Bethesda press conference.
1: And that's absolutely nuts that, uh, wait, so so did I just misunderstand you and say they have a documentary about the making of 76? Yes. No, you didn't misunderstand. That is correct. Okay, that's correct. That's crazy that they are documenting it as it like before it was getting to the point where it is now i don't know it seems like a really it's great for them to have had behind the scenes access before it was even announced that that is that's gonna be really cool to see and i'm gonna watch it even if i'm not interested in
0: 76 at all yeah that one seems super interesting so i mean that was kind of like my non-gaming stuff i do have a couple other gaming things that i can fly through quick because there's ones i want to dig deeper in with you yeah so gamefly Uh, I haven't had anything... Well, I had one thing click for Gamefly, but I'll get to that. Most of the things I've tried didn't really click. So, Tales of Berseria was a little too, like, button-mashy combat for me, and there was a bunch of other stuff. Like, I didn't like the large map segments feeling, like, really empty, and it... I don't know. It feels like such a typical JRPG story. Like, there's not anything really super interesting there it was very anime and like most of those things would have been okay I would have probably given it more time but the voice acting just like grated on my nerves I couldn't do it it was so whiny and pitchy and like like you know when people are stereotypical about anime and they make fun of like Mm -hmm. anime voices it was like that for real it was bad so i just couldn't do the super high-pitched anime whiny voices Uh, apparently that will just kill a game straight out for me i didn't know that so i wanted to spend more time with it but i just (laughs) couldn't i I couldn't do the voices
1: that kind of makes me sad because i'm really enjoying a tales game right now and it is super anime and uh but i'll get into it in a little while but uh i haven't tried berseria yet and i've got the demo on my ps4 that i'm going to be trying pretty soon just to see i want to hear these voices because you told me before that they were really that they really bugged you and were pitchy they were real pitchy dog and so they uh so they uh uh i, I made myself giggle because it was an american idol reference and uh, they uh uh but I, I haven't heard that like i don't know what that sounds like so i'll play it if for nothing else just to hear the voices
0: yeah well and you said you don't mind japanese voices so maybe you want to right. switch that audio track over to japanese and not fight with the english really annoying ones that i did that's true that might be a way in for you i tried a bunch of other games to like axiom verge which is kind of like old metroid but not in a good way i gave that one up very quickly i didn't like it attack i liked it i'm curious this one's
1: yeah this one i'm curious about because i have it on vita and i liked it i liked it enough to keep it installed and play through a good amount of it like not a whole lot, lot not a long way but i played it for a good while when i was on my metroidvania kick and uh like i liked that it was so much like the old metroid what did you not like about that i don't like old metroid Oh, okay then.
0: That is perfectly fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. No, Super Metroid is good, but anything before that or like less than that in terms of gameplay, I just can't stand. Like it's, I don't know. There's something about it. So it, okay, it was that. Um, Attack on Titan two is kind of more of the same from Attack on Titan, and it was it was kind of a letdown. Um, God of War three remastered was what I thought. It was ragey. It was angsty. I really don't like the blades of chaos that he has, which. Again, you said you didn't play, but you watched a bunch of the series. Mm -mm. Blades of Chaos Mm -hmm. are like the giant blades on chains that he spins around with all the time. Like his main weapon, right? Yeah. I missed the axe from God of War 4 so much. Like right away. Like it is such a good weapon and this made me appreciate it even more than I had before. So... I'm just not a fan of the Blades of Chaos and then I really like the new series direction and this made me appreciate that more too just like going back to the old one and being like oh yeah it's just angsty ragey Uh, not really my fan." yeah
1: but at least now you know you've gone back we talked a lot about that with maybe that wasn't for you now and you were absolutely right that you would just it hit that perfectly that perfect spot
0: in your in your life and now it just doesn't fit anymore. Yeah, yeah. And then I tried Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus and it kind of felt like the core of it felt like a ripoff of a lot of the things I like about Persona. And yeah, I don't that's what think, it looked like. Yeah, I don't think they're unique to Persona. Like that Japanese high school style is just like a setting they use a lot in Japanese culture from what I've been right. able to tell. Um, yeah. And it's in more games than I thought. But I just I bounced pretty quick because the things I were enjoying were some of the same things I liked from Persona, but executed less well. So oh, I was like, like well, I'm, you know, I want to play Persona 5 eventually, which spoilers, I'm doing that again. Um, but <laughs> this game made me be like, well, I'd rather be playing Persona. So I sent that one back. And then the and this one, one was an action one, right? So yeah. that would
1: have been the only way that I could see, like, even with that, that you would stick with it is if you were in the mood for a really good action RPG, if it hit the really good part of it. Yeah. And it was an
0: OK action RPG. It wasn't great. It was it was okay enough i suppose but speaking Ah. of action rpgs the one game that did work for me was Nino kuni 2 which i was i was really surprised i didn't actually know this was an action rpg because really i thought you did no the first game wasn't and i had no reason to think that this one would be any different from any of the screenshots that i saw Oh, so, the first one wasn't an action RPG? I still haven't touched the first one. Oh, see, we're coming at it from two very different spots. Yeah, the first one is like a traditional JRPG battle system, and it wasn't okay. executed well. Like it was I mean, there are plenty of JRPG traditional battle systems. Some of them work really well, some of them are boring, some of them are just good enough. I just didn't yeah. like the one in Nino Kuni 1 at all. And I thought this would be the same. And I got into it and it was an action RPG. And I was like, Nobody told me <laughs> like no I thought one... I told you that it was like Kingdom Hearts. Maybe I maybe I didn't, but
1: I could have sworn that Well, that was how it was put to me, at least. And I thought that was I'd put it to you like that, because that's one of the things that sold me on giving it a try was that Austin said that it was a lot like Kingdom
0: Hearts. It's I would. I don't think Kingdom Hearts combat is all that great. I actually think that this one was pretty fun in comparison to Kingdom Hearts. So the combat was fun, unlike the first game. I like the style of it. Um, That's I said that worked really well. And then I think I'm going to play this game. So I returned it, which is what I do <laughs> with Gamefly. Yep. Like I'm using it as a demo service. That's what I always do. I returned the physical disc. Um, At some point in the future, I will grab uh it, it digitally and i'll just play it that way because i still have my save file and yeah it's also one of those things where like you know people are starting to talk about the next generation of consoles and i fully expect at this point that the ps5 is going to be 100% backwards compatible with the ps4 because right like there's no reason not to now based on well, the architecture I about the ps4 like i thought the ps4 and ps3 were going to be backwards compatible and they're not and well, it made the me PS3 really sad is a very very unique Uh, architecture that isn't used anywhere else like you've probably heard about the blast processor yeah yeah that's a thing that doesn't exist like anywhere else in computing yeah that's that's true i'm being overbroad with that that's not exactly true but But it doesn't exist as a standard in computing whereas the ps4 and the uh xbox one are built on i want to say x86 architecture which is like the biggest standard in all pc gaming well pcs in general yeah
1: they're basically pcs in a on a tv is is when they came out i remember there being a really big like oh well consoles are now nothing but pcs okay so that's what we're paying for
0: right so it's one of those things where it's like the more and more i think about like the fact that i own basically everything on ps4 digitally the happier i am because i think it's going to be fully backwards compatible with the next generation i don't see any reason why it wouldn't be
1: I really hope so. Like That's something that I would really, really love because it's. I'm a little irritated right now about the PS3 and PS4 backwards compatibility because there are games I really want to play on PS3, but I have to go to a completely different console to do it, and I would love to be able to just load it into my PS4 since I have it digitally and play it that way, but I can't. That's one of my favorite things about the Vita and PS3 and the Vita and four. PS4 is that a lot of the games are cross-play. So if you buy it on one, you can just play it on the other
0: and i love that yeah yeah so i mean we'll see we're still a couple years out from that um that was like the game fly stuff that i tried i also tried a bunch of like i'm always trying ios games in the background but you had mentioned two of these before so i wanted to bring yeah. it up i tried marvel future fight and i tried marvel strike force and right. the marvel future fight had like really surprisingly high production values i was kind of yeah, impressed it? yeah yeah yeah, but it plays like Diablo for mobile, but with superheroes. Mm-hmm. The thing is, yep. I'm not a very big Diablo fan. Like, I, it's just not my thing. But if you are, if you are a big Diablo fan and you like Marvel superheroes, you should probably play Marvel Future Fight. That's kind of what and, I walked away from that thinking.
1: And somehow, I don't like Diablo either, and I played that game for months and months and months on end with it just powering through it and getting all, just tons of my characters leveled up and going through a lot of the end game stuff with it that I just fell in with Future Fight. It hit me that at that perfect op, that perfect place, and I haven't played it in a long time, but I'm certainly uh, – I look at it every once in a while like, eh, I'm not going to right now, but I'm glad I have my characters characters where I can at least go into some of the new stuff, even though they're much more powerful ones
0: out now. Yeah, it was like I said, I was surprised by how high the production values were on that one. But then Marvel Strike Force, on the other hand, it was like RPG mechanics thrown into a Marvel game. And the more I played of it, the more I realized it is almost exactly Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, but reskinned with Marvel characters. And yeah, I burned out on it after three days because I was like, if I'm going to play this game, I'm just going to go back and play Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes again. And my note in here says maybe I'll go back and play it. I've been playing (laughs) it for about a week now, every day. I'm hooked on it again. I don't know how long that will last, but I've been having fun just on my phone, like over lunch and, you know, five minutes here and there doing Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, which isn't a great game. I don't suggest you play it. It just it has its hooks in me for whatever reason. And I'd, I bounced off of both of
1: them really quickly. I'd tried Galaxy of Heroes a very long time ago and didn't care that much about it. And then Strike Force. I mean, I mentioned it on here a while back, and it was neat for a little while. And then I was like, okay, I'm done with this and just haven't bothered uninstalling it off my phone.
0: It's, I'm done with it, but it was cute. okay that i mean that's like all my quick stuff that i bounced off of everything else on this list i either beat or really dug into or am still playing so what do you have that's quick that we can fly through well really quick i
1: tried shin megami tensei five or four not five it isn't out yet uh on the 3DS. I got it when um, I had a buy two get one free at GameStop, so I grabbed it. I've always wanted to try one of the mainline uh, SMT games and it was I tried it right after I came off of Xenoblade Chronicles. And the first thing I noticed when playing this game is that it was beautiful. That the 3D and the graphics on Xenoblade Chronicles are still not very good. The one thing I've noticed since I'm on like my third 3DS uh, JRPG right now uh, with Tales of the Abyss is that games that are made for the 3DS are way prettier than games that aren't. And um, Shin Megami Tensei 4 is a... 3ds game and the 3d in it is beautiful and i really liked this game that there was a good story to it but i bounced off of it because it was way too grindy i you and jay and a lot of other people had told me that the smt mainline games are really really hardcore and yes it was really hard but they put in an easy mode after you die a couple of times but it was too grindy even you having to grind up to the first boss or it'll own you it's like I see why this is fun. I'm going to end up playing a Persona game because that's probably more my line of the SMT games. And I tossed this one on eBay. And you've never tried any of the the mainline ones you said, right? I have. I tried, I
0: think, one and two and oh okay. uh, I want to say I tried maybe one of the 3ds games but I really can't remember which one it might have been a spin-off now that I'm thinking about okay. it but I mean I'm I'm kind of waiting for the next mainline one on switch to try it out for real like I've never given it a full effort because I think when I tried it I didn't really know what it was or how it was related to persona so I'll give right. it more of a shot when the next one comes out but I'm not like chomping at the bit to go back to it
1: yeah I understand that and I'll probably do the same thing with the mainline ones I'll probably try the one on switch and then most likely bounce off of it and and then play Persona 5 at that point. Um, and then I've been meaning to get back to Ninokuni 2 and beat it. There was, uh, I've gotten into the last chapter of it, and then I got blocked by some menial kind of forced side quests where you're building a kingdom at one point in it and you have to go recruit citizens. And I didn't really care that much about doing it. So I just kind of did it here and there. And I have to recruit, I think, 24 more before I can move on with the main part of the quest. Because I have to build this building that only, that I can have to get this particular thing to move forward. And I don't really want to just go around and collect 24 different people from around the world. It may take an hour, but I kind of got, it made me mad and I haven't gone back to it. And once I decide that I'm going to sit down and do it, I'll be able to play it and beat it. Because the end of the game is really really cool i just hated that I because i didn't like the kingdom building i didn't want to be forced to go into it and so i went and played something else yeah so, that's lame when that happens i've had that happen in games before Yeah, and it's the kind of thing where i go back to it, it's like oh this wasn't so bad when once i get over the i don't want to do this kind of thing um uh, since I've been buying so many games and I've been wanting to get stuff put together, like I wanted uh, uh, my stuff to look pretty. I, I like the cases that games come in when I keep them. And so since I bought these at Game... You your Pro- physical uh, media. I know, right? But I, I like things. And so I bought these at GameStop the other day and GameStop doesn't really give you the original case art for them. And they give you just those ugly, like red and black uh, things that just have the name of the game on it. And so I went online and found printable game case art for the 3DS games that I bought and uh, ended up putting them in there, printing them out and uh, cutting them and putting them inside those cases. And it's finally made me realize why people buy and sell empty game cases on eBay because I've always seen them up. I've sold different boxes of things before because I noticed that they were selling for something. And this is why. It's because people like like me and people who, this, who I have like, cartridges that i've gotten in different places that don't have any kind of physical box to put them in to put them on a shelf and so you buy a box you print out a label and it looks exactly like the uh the the oem one so i'm i'm gonna be doing that with a couple of other games and uh, probably buying a few more if i buy used ones
0: but but that i want to call you a nerd for doing this but at the same time i really want to see what your shelf looks like when you're done so i won't
1: yeah yeah, because that's the thing I'm working
0: on right not now. Not a bad way, not a bad nerd. Right. Just like that's pretty nerdy
1: it's pretty nerdy like this one is one where jennifer came in she's like oh that's the reason you hooked up the printer finally and i was like (laughs) yeah and 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 i needed to print out an ebay label to send something off but yeah and uh well what i'm doing is i'm setting up this kind of retro console shelf in my office because all of my consoles are put in boxes in storage and i've been wanting to get them out and play just something on them for a long time and i've got like a ps1 a ps2 a saturn an nes a super nes an n64 and a game cube still and so i want to put them all in the i have this cube uh bookshelf where i want to put them in there and then put a tv on top of it where i can hook them up uh and play them in my office here and i kind of want to use it as like a backdrop for the live streams that i do and get it set up where it'll look actually kind of neat so i'm gonna do that and i want to have all of my my like game art and games and cases up there so uh just to uh I have on there as decoration so I needed the actual I needed actual pictures in them instead of the stupid GameStop uh, red and black things that show that they're pre-owned but uh like like a savage and uh so pedestrian and uh but I wanted that so that's why I was printing them out
0: that's sweet. It's yeah, I would love it, to do it, that. I think a lot of people who've been playing games for more than a couple of years would love to have just like a retro game shelf or setup or entertainment center like that. I yep. I totally see the appeal.
1: Yeah, and I, I want to, and I'm, I finally just made myself start working on it. I took a break from work today, cleaned off my shelf and moved it into my office as a first step uh, of doing it little by little and trying to get it actually looking like I want it to. So I'm I'm excited about that one.
0: Okay, I I want to know, I see a through line here between a couple of the other things. Something about (laughs) maybe you need to try anime, but then later down your list, you have anime listed, and then further down, you have learning Japanese listed. Do you (laughs) want to talk through this progression? Okay, so since I've
1: been in this JRPG mode, I've been uh, playing through, I've been actually really interested in it. And so I've been thinking back to what Jay said on, I mean, gosh, this was... Oh man, this was probably 2 years ago maybe when when he told me that he didn't understand why I didn't like anime because I like Kingdom Hearts so much and it's like the animeist anime that ever animated an anime. And so I I started thinking about it and I realized that the stories that I really like on in the RPGs really are super anime. And so I started playing Tales of the Abyss, which is one of the same series as Tales of Berseria that you did and it is every bit as anime as, uh, as, as Berseria is, I'm sure. And it's, it's super anime in the tropiest way possible. Like I said that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was anime. This one, I think, may, may out-anime that one. And so when that, I liked this one as much, I was like, maybe, maybe I just need to find the right anime to watch then. And uh, so I'm playing through this one. And well, at, first of all, I really like this game and uh so that's what made me do it like if i'd bounced off the game itself i wouldn't have cared so much but i was like "Ah, if i like this one so much then and i'm planning on playing tales of hearts uh, on the vita because i like this one so much maybe i ought to go look at some anime so i downloaded crunchyroll and i believe that i actually texted you about how i know that my life is in shambles and just sent you a picture of the crunchyroll installing on my tv and uh that's uh because that's something i never thought that i would do and uh i watched the first episode of my hero academia have you seen it no but i've heard heard of it really
0: good things from people about it
1: it is i want to say it's very good but it is it's very good if you're into that kind of thing it's a superhero anime it's uh You've read the, the Brandon Sanderson Steelheart books, right? Yeah. It's essentially that, where people start getting powers, and superheroes become like a government-subsidized job. That if you get powers, if you get one of these quirks, and you take down villains, you get paid by the government for it. And you're essentially bounty hunters. Uh, and it's pretty cool. I watched the first episode of it, and it is absurdly anime Um but not quite as off-putting as Little Witch Academia or whatever that one was called, uh, because I made it through the first episode and intend to watch at least the second one. Um, I started watching... So I like it. I should watch more of it, and I probably will. Um, then Netflix did a... Uh, did a... Let's see, uh, an original uh, series called A Aggretsuko, and it's the one about... Um, And it's a it's a it's Hello Kitty with a red panda. It's by Sanrio. And uh Retzko is the character in it and she's this little red panda in a Japanese office setting, and she gets so mad at all of her office setting people and coworkers and boss that she sings death metal karaoke at night. And it's really weird and absurdly cute and funny and i really like it and heard great things about it online as well uh so i was like okay i'll watch it and i'm definitely going to finish that one because the first episode made me laugh a lot and um Then I've started watching Sword Art Online again that I knew I liked it a long time ago and just went back and finished up the second episode and plan on moving through more of it tonight, actually, uh, especially because I downloaded a long time ago the re Hollow Fragment game uh, that Sword Art had uh, because it was $5 on PSN. And if I like it, I might actually grab the Vita original just so I can play it on the go without having to worry about remote play. Uh, And I know that's so backwards. It's like, I'm going to buy the original one instead of playing the remake that I bought. uh, It's, but I, I'm, probably going to watch a lot of Sword Art because I actually really like it. Um, I'm probably going to use that one as a bouncing off point to find more series that are like it and watch it and Dot .hack and a couple of others, but I may be getting into anime. That's weird.
0: It's not, like, I'm not disappointed. It's just unexpected.
1: (laughs) It is. It is incredibly unexpected. And uh, so during all of this, it's like, I I read the Final Fantasy V boss fight book. And uh Chris Kohler was talking about the Final Fantasy V translated ROM and uh him being part of the 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 game fact that was
0: used to put get people through it. And yeah, he's one of the original co-authors of the US version of they basically like took the info from Japan and they translated it and then they also figured out a bunch of their own info just from playing the game and brute forcing it. And yeah. I think of the five people it was either four or five people that was it was like casual it was kids in high school and college and he Mm -hmm. was i think in high school at the time Um, they were just like a loose group affiliated online that they found each other they had one person who actually spoke japanese all the way to act as like the official translator and they made the u.s guide and then later one of the strategy game companies came and like literally plagiarized their work so I think it was Prima. It, like, I want to say it out loud in case I'm wrong and accusing the wrong company of the wrong thing, but it was one of the strategy guide companies that was one of the main ones and they just straight up ripped off their work and published yep. it.
1: Yep. And he never even went back and got any kind of recompense for it in the book. He said, he just kind of like, oh man, and dropped it uh, because the uh, there are other people involved as well that, that you would have to do a lot with, but thinking about that and that was the point at which I started getting into like ROMs and and really into JRPGs because I played through that with the translated ROM and using that particular fact and I'm like I've always wanted to learn Japanese like I've tried a hundred different times and so my mom is sick and I'm going to be driving a lot between here and her house and back and forth I'm an hour away from her I'm going to be taking her to the doctor a lot so I'm going to be driving a bunch and so I downloaded a long time ago an app called Mango Languages through the public library here and it is by far the best of those conversational language learning softwares that i've found like it is it's actually useful in what it does and it has japanese on there and so i've decided instead of listening to podcasts or anything while i'm driving so much i've been doing mango languages uh and then i found a website called tofugu that has uh lots of hiragana and uh, katakana mnemonic guides that can uh Teach you what the individual characters are what the kana are and I've always wanted to do this so I've wanted to down like import games and download the Japanese ones that aren't here and I want to play them and like be able to read parts of them at least to be able to get through them and so I've decided to teach myself and do that I've become that guy uh as my wife put it she's like you're that white guy she was like that's BJ and uh so it's like I actually downloaded the mother three uh, ROM because I wanted to see it in Japanese and I translated my first line of Japanese and I was really happy about it. And it was um, it, uh, in the official translation or not the official translation. Cause there's not one, but in the main translation, it was like one of the lines was it looks like you overslept. And when I did it, I looked at it and uh, got it and it was like running late sleepyhead. And so I was like, I got it. Like I, I that's, that's, that's close that's like that's that's actually translation rather than transliteration so it's like i'll i'll accept that as a first attempt so it made me made me happy that i was able to recognize just even a single line of of characters on my own so i've been really excited to do that because i've always wanted to it's one of those things that i've, I've wanted to for like the last 20 to 21 years or so and finally decided you know what just do it and stop not doing it
0: (laughs) and so i mean that's awesome like i think anybody who has been playing jrpgs for a while feels a little bit of that impulse i know Uh i have in the past like i've picked up a couple apps to try it out and um there's There's a few out there that do, like, a lot of languages. I would say probably about once a year I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to learn another language. And I dig back into Spanish or I try from scratch with, like, French or Italian or something. Um, I've tried a couple times with Japanese, and I haven't made it more than, like, a day or two because it's so foreign to an English speaker. You know, like, it's so different that I just, like, I made no progress. If you if you do want to,
1: try Mango, because it actually starts out and it's very understandable with the way it approaches the grammar and everything, just in terms of putting it together. And then the mnemonics that Tofugu put out, I, it looks like it's going to be stupid. And it's like, I'm never going to remember this particular character and sound because of this mnemonic. And then I look and it's like, oh yeah, that's those worms cohabitating, so that's co. And it's like, Man, I can't believe that actually worked. But but st- <laughs> it is. It Actually, I've been doing this for weeks now. This is probably like my fourth week of going through and doing it uh, just when I have spare time right now. I haven't even dug in on it that hard. I'm I'm actually enjoying learning this, and I've never had fun learning a language. So it means I'm on the right track with something my brain
0: needs right now. Yeah, I'm super excited for you. I really want progress updates as this goes along.
1: Oh yeah, like right now I've translated a single line of it and recognized a little bit in uh Aggretsuko. Uh, I've, I've recognized words and been like they didn't put that in the subtitle and uh but yeah, that's
0: that's pretty much where I am on the on those oh, um cool. I I've think, got I mean, other games. Everything stuff. else we have is like you have one bigger game series you want to talk about yeah. i have a bunch of games i want to dig into so let's take a quick break and say our geeky offer of the week i oh, i have to pick one i guess i'm picking gamefly gameflyoffer.com gamefly. slash geek um you can be like me and use it as a demo service or you can actually use it as a rental service and rent a game and beat it and send it back whenever but if you go to gameflyoffer.com slash geek you can get a free one month trial on us get free games sent to you and you can send it back all that stuff and it helps the podcast so everybody wins and then don't forget about the geeky geek podcast network it's our network it's awesome um, geekitude this week. I know they're talking about like evolving your fandom, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like when social awareness changes how you see stuff you love in a different light. I was talking to Joe about it this morning, so I'm excited to hear that one. It's not out as of when we're recording it, but it should be by the time you listen, I think. I think. Um, and then tea time with Katie and Chelsea. Katie had a special guest, she had her sister on because Chelsea's still in the middle of moving. So I hope everything's going well, Chelsea, with your big move. Um, yeah, I think that's it for this week. I guess the other thing not for like our podcast but for the network. The <laughs> other thing I want to mention is that like I'm super psyched for E3 next week. I think our episode might have to be E3 all all E3 yeah. next week. I
1: don't think there's any way that it's not going to be. Just looking through the notes that you made already for it and the stuff that I've read about and talked about with you and just seeing online yeah I'm pretty sure there's no way it's not going to be a, be your E3 episode. Me being like oh
0: that's cool I can't wait. So Yeah that's... I just I you, you were saying today we were texting about it and you said it's like my Christmas and I, I thought about that all day since you said it and it's not really like Christmas but it's the one time a year that I let myself get hyped for games to an unreasonable extent because by the time a game comes out i try to have realistic expectations for it because i don't want to be let down you know right and i i'm pretty good at judging a game once i've seen it in action and you know i might not even need to read reviews maybe some previews and just kind of see gameplay i can usually tell what i'm going to think of it but games at e3 get announced and the i mean outside of a few edge cases over the years where it's like it's out right now or it's out in a month Mm -hmm. those are few and far between almost every game announced is going to be out at the earliest in september which is like five months away and some games that get announced at e3 take 10 years to come to fruition i'm thinking about final fantasy 15 here oh my goodness like and kingdom hearts 3 that's been almost 10 years now or over 10 years it's been a long time um so because of that because there's this big time delay E3 is when I let myself actually like get overly hyped for games because i know i will tone it down by the time the game comes out so i like to watch all the press conferences i like to geek out about it i like to spend a lot of time so honestly like my geekery for next week would have just been e3 anyway so it makes more sense to just talk about that for the episode next week yep and i've
1: always loved our e3 episodes so everybody should go back and listen to the old ones that we did because when we started this podcast e3 came up like a month after we started it and you went all in on e3 that year and i I think that was when you were doing video game news now and that that you i mean
0: there's was so insane. much e3 the stuff like different episodes i did that year was like i wish i had the time to do that still i just don't
1: yeah it was great and uh but i can't wait for next week's episode to hear about this so yeah everybody y'all need to listen we're this excited about it ahead of time so you should be too
0: but I mean, speaking of E3, I know Dragon Quest XI is going to be there to some extent or another. And the last big game you wanted yes. to talk about was like Dragon Quest. But as a series, like have you yeah. been? You, you played eight, right? In the last week yes. or two.
1: I, I played all the way through eight. It took me, I think, what did I say? 49 hours to get through eight, some 59 hours something or other i played through eight on the 3ds and it was awesome it was my very first dragon quest game that i played dragon warrior when they given it away as a nintendo power subscriber thing uh bonus whenever my friends subscribe to it like we played dragon quest that dragon warrior that way but i've never really played one we've talked about this in the past and so i saw my friend bobby on on uh twitter uh at 13th underscore story and he was showing his uh playing his um for vir- his copy of dragon quest 8 and it really just got me interested in playing it talking to him about it so i bought it uh with my it was one of the the buy two get one free and i grabbed it and it is awesome Awesome! That it took me a little bit to get into it, but it's a remake of a PS2 game and it is great. It is definitely a... Dragon Quest really is a simple, straightforward JRPG. It doesn't really have any frills. It doesn't really have any kind of... Anything really special about it. Like the system in 8 is about as cut and dry as you can get. You have some skill points and you put them in different weapons skills, but by the time you get multiple people in your party and you're going through with the story, it's just fun to play. Where it's not anything like the job system. Like there there are Dragon Quest games with job systems. Nine, five and a couple others have job systems and it's like I haven't played those like eight is just a straightforward game and i really enjoyed it so it's made me really interested in dragon quest games so uh i've got i borrowed dragon has dragon quest heroes one from austin uh because he loved it so much and then bought two because i found it for like 15 dollars brand new because two has multiplayer and austin and i are going to play the multiplayer uh, dragon quest heroes two together and uh that one's going to be super fun Because it's basically like just going on smashing stuff uh, with it. Uh, And I know that you played this one. Did
0: you end up buying it or just game flying it when it came out with Dragon Quest Heroes (sighs) 2? I was trying to think. I saw that question in your notes. I think what happened was there was some like gaming lull. And I've played not the Heroes games before, but the like Musou games. I think I had... I don't know. I was coming from somewhere where I just wanted to smash a bunch of things really simply. So I bought Dragon Quest Heroes one and I beat it at one point. And then um, I gameflied two and I tried it and it was more of the same and I just wasn't in the mood for it when I got to that game. Yeah. So I sent it back. But it's like if I were in the mood for a Musou game, I could easily pick it up again and play it.
1: Well, you if you do if you decide that you're in the mood for that, we have it and there's multiplayer. There, that's the reason I was asking so that we could get together and smash things together on uh, it and uh, with two. And then so I'm going to be doing that. And I just like the world. Like I realized I didn't know that Akira Toriyama, the guy who did Dragon Ball Z, has designed pretty much every character on, in every Dragon Quest game. That I think it may have been until eleven. I don't remember exactly what it was that I read, but he is the lead designer on all of them at the very least. That he is involved personally. Yeah, they all look like Dragon Ball characters. Yeah. Like I didn't know, but I, I knew that he did the first one. And I knew that was where the art style came from. I didn't realize that he was personally involved in every single one of them for like the last 35
0: years. Yeah, I that. heard that. So him and the two other, I can't remember if it's directors or producers of the game, but whatever. It's the three people at the top of the game that are in charge of it. Like all the Dragon yeah. Quest games ever. They had never met in person as a three person team until earlier this year. Holy what? Which is crazy. I love that wow. story. Like they've been working. It's not that they haven't ever met each other. It's that because of all of their schedules and the working style and like whatever ended up happening, they've worked together and like they've all been on phone calls together and like, you know, working remote, just like. A normal thing that we do now but all the way right. since dragon quest one there's only ever been two of those three guys in a room at the same time until earlier this year when they were doing i think press for dragon quest 11 or something there was something for dragon quest 11 and they realized it was the first time that all three of them had been in the same room that's crazy
1: yeah i did not know that that is that is absolutely nuts that I'm I'm super excited for it. That uh, for for Dragon Quest eleven, uh, it coming out. I've already got mine pre ordered because I liked eight so much. I went and pre ordered eleven for the PS4. I did see today that they've announced that eleven is coming out for the Switch. The video that I'd seen that I was talking about earlier confirmed that they're doing it on the Switch, but it's coming out much later. And I'm pretty sure I would just rather play it on the PS4 than wait for it on the Switch. Uh, I might change my mind between here and then. And I can always, you know, cancel my pre order, but I'm really excited to play 11 because of how great 8 was. And then I bought Dragon Quest IX for the DS, which is a like an old DS that you can play on the 3DS and um, I bought the Japanese cart of it because old DS carts are not region locked the 3DS ones are and so I actually have it in Japanese with all the stuff and I bought a complete version of it so that if I decide to power my way through it and just see what I can get, get involved in it's a really good one to do I've read because it uses very little kanji and uses furigana when it does which is basically the word of that kanji spelled out above it in hiragana uh to let you know what it is phonetically so it's like if you're gonna learn you basically use dragon quest 9 as a game or pokemon as a game are the ones that are actually recommended for beginners these days
0: interesting so i just so I, was like, I wish that 11 was out like now Because it's coming out four days before Spider-Man, and it's coming out in September. And it's, like, a lot of the big-name releases of the year don't have release dates yet. But if you guys don't know or you're not familiar with it, almost all of the, like, huge releases for the year come out between September 1st and, like, mid-November. There's, like, Mm -hmm. a a two-and-a-half-month span there where they just get everything out to retail before the holiday season. And, like, if you're getting out after Black Friday, it's too late. So... Uh, It's, I mean, it's right at the beginning. I know it's right at the beginning of that holiday season or that like gaming holiday season. It's September 4th. Yeah, but it's going to have so much competition. Like, I wish it were out right now because I could use a game to like dig into and this one would be perfect. But I know when we get around to the time of year where it's coming out, I'm going to have other stuff to play. And see, for me, this
1: one has actually taken precedence over Spider Man because of how That's much, I, how much I liked Dragon Quest VIII. That is testament to how much I like Dragon Quest VIII. That Spider Man is the reason I bought a PS4 last year, uh, as much as Final Fantasy XV was. And I, I am more excited for Eleven than I am for the Spider Man game now. Um, that I, I will be playing it before I play Spider Man. That is. I know that sounds nuts for me to say, but I've actually not pre-ordered Spider-Man, but I pre-ordered this one. Wow.
0: Well, I mean, yep. at least I know that I'm going to be digging into Spider-Man and you're going to be digging yeah. into that. So we'll have a lot to talk about that time of year.
1: That is true. And you could always grab the Japanese one and use a, use a, a translated guide uh, like the old days if you want to, because you can play the PS4 one now. Uh, that would be I interesting. I would do that. I'm not going to do that, but, but you it could. is something I could. Um, and then I'm playing through Tales of the Abyss is the only other thing that I've really been doing. It's one of those Tales games. Uh, you told me it was a series of like Tales of Fantasia, and so I went and looked it up, and one of our, our listeners, and I can't remember who it was to give them credit, went and linked me the... Uh, like wiki article on how the Tales series, which games are connected how. And so because I like Tales of the Abyss so much, I'm going to play Tales of Hearts on the Vita. And because I'm so nerdy that I want the correct uh, art and box for it, that I don't want to buy the used copy on on GameStop because it's cheaper on GameStop than it is anywhere else, um, including digital. So I'm probably going to sign back up for Gamefly to try a couple of the others and then buy, just go straight out buy the Tales of Hearts game to get the case and and manual and art and everything uh, and play it that way because I'm that nerdy that I'm trying to figure out the best way to monetarily get everything that
0: I want so that it'll be pretty on my shelf (laughs) okay that's fair that's fair enough Um, I played a bunch of games in the last week that I really liked and I beat a lot of them Um, let me start with the shortest one to talk about wizard of legend have you heard of this game i heard of it i looked at it and realized it wasn't for me and just
1: kind of went on
0: yeah it's it's a roguelike and it's uh an action game like it's very much uh it's like a pixel art style action rpg not really rpg but actiony game um and you can like the, the roguelike element is like you can retain um currency that you can earn through runs. You're trying to like complete these trials and you get currency and even when you get knocked out, you bring that back with you and then you can purchase new abilities. So the whole game is about acquiring new abilities and like Um, you can assign them to your different face buttons and all of them are just different magic attacks that have different elements with them so that's like the core game loop is playing around with elements and figuring it out it's not one i can play for hours on end but it's a really good palate cleanser for like 10 or 15 minutes so that's what i've been doing on switch that's it's just nice to have um if you're really into roguelike games i recommend it if you're not then avoid it i think it's pretty easy one side or another there
1: um, yeah, when I realized it that it was a roguelike, that was what made me like stop looking at it entirely, is because I loved the look of it, and then I looked and saw that it was
0: roguelike, and I was like, I'm not going to play it for more than
1: just a few minutes then.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I beat uh, Quarantine Circular on PC in the last week okay. or two. You remember Subsurface Circular that I talked about, right? I do. Right? Okay, this is uh, a spiritual... I don't know if it's a successor, I suppose. It's not at all about the same thing, but it's the same team. It's the same style of game. It's just a completely different subject and setting. And this one is about uh, first contact with aliens and a worldwide plague. And it's kind of a text-based story, but it has those, like, higher production values. Like, there's 3D characters, there's movement, there's camera movement through it. Um, But at the core of it, it's a text-based story game Hmm. where, like, your choices matter. You know, going back to last week where I said that I was into a bunch of narrative games where choices matter, this is one that I was talking about. Um, There are lots of shades of gray in it. Like, there's a worldwide plague. You're part of the team that's been tasked with, like... Stopping the spread and containing it and then also trying to look for a cure and this alien shows up and the alien basically says I'm here to help you and people are like, well, how do we know this isn't just an alien plague and you're trying to spread it more or you're here to fight us. So there's all of this gray area. Like, do you trust this alien? Do you not trust it? Is it actually here to help? What's it doing here? And all of that you find through playing the game. So I don't want to give more about it away. But if yeah. you like text-based story games the way I do, I highly suggest Quarantine Circular. Um, I really liked it. And it's only $4. It's like a two to three hour game. It depends how fast you read. But I mean, $4 for two or three hours. It's not a bad price at all, in my mind, anyway. No. And is it mobile?
1: I can't remember. It's, no, it's, it's a PC. phone game. It's PC. Oh, is it it's PC? Steam. Yep. Okay. See, I, for some reason, I was thinking that that was a mobile game with the subsurface circular.
0: No, no. They're on PC and they're cheap. They're on okay. Steam and they go on sale sometimes too. So they're really cool. um I also beat Far Loan Sales or Far. Maybe there's a colon in there with Loan Sales. I don't remember. It's a game where you go to the right. And
1: (laughs) I know what you're talking about. And I know those games that some of them actually say it's a going to the right game. Like that is I've seen them described like that, but it's really funny. (laughs) It I mean, it
0: is you go to the right. You're in this like steam powered slash sail powered vehicle. And it's in a post-apocalypse. Like, something has happened. You don't know exactly what has happened at the beginning. And you have this big vehicle that, like, you have to take fuel and, like, well, sometimes it's fuel, sometimes it's items and whatever, and, like, throw them into the, like, energy compartment. And there's a lot of just, like, little things you can do in the ship to, like, control it. But the controls are on different sides of the ship. So your little character has to run around to do them, right? So, like, if you—the steam builds up, and then when you release it, you get a speed boost and but then like you can run out of fuel so you got to go put that in the fuel thing and it's never very far from the center of the ship it's not a big vehicle but it's just enough of a core mechanic of like running around and managing the ship and then for all sorts of reasons you'll have to like Like, maybe you run out of fuel, but you just got these sails. So the sails can like propel you for a while. Or Mm. um, you go through a cave. So you have to put the sails down and then you have to like make sure you have enough fuel to get you through there. And there are other times where you just like hit a wall or hit an obstacle and you have to get out of it. And your character can never really die, but your ship can take damage and you can have to like repair it and stuff. So it's this interesting interplay between the character and the ship. And those are like the two main pieces of the game. But it's it's like an atmospheric, moody game. Like, playing through it reminded me of the first time I played Limbo, and I had never played a game like that before. Does that <laughs> yes. kind of give you a sense... Yeah, because Limbo, I
1: know exactly what you mean by that. Just having that feeling with something, that experience, because the first time, like Limbo's demo made us buy the whole game because of that. It was like, oh, this is neat. We have to see what's more of it. We have to see more of this and what happens that it was. It was just cool playing it with the lights off. Just the atmosphere and feeling of games like that doesn't come around very often.
0: Yeah. So there was a game. Was it called Inside by the limbo team that came out like last year and as much as like that game didn't give me the same feeling as the first time i played limbo this game far loan sales does and it's not the same team it's nothing related to limbo it's just that's how i felt going into it and walking away from it and it was another really good solid like two to three hour game and then it was done and hmm. I love games that don't waste my time. So, if you are not averse to playing really good shorter form games, Far Loan Sales and Quarantine Circular, I can't recommend either of those enough, basically. Awesome. Um, I beat my first Castlevania game ever, <laughs> and it wasn't a Castlevania game, but it basically is. It's Bloodstained technically- Curse of the Moon. I told you to check it out. What did you think yep. when you looked at it? I have. Oh, it looks awesome. This is one that I
1: will eventually grab. That whenever okay. I get in the mood for a platformer, this is absolutely the kind of game that I want. Because I've been looking forward to the main Bloodstained game coming out. And so
0: with this one, it just looks awesome. This is like the... It's not a remake. It's almost like an NES-style prequel for that main Bloodstained game. And if you guys don't know what Bloodstained is, it's the main creator of Castlevania um, finally left Konami and just made his own game studio, and he basically kickstarted Castlevania again, but he can't use the name. So if you look at the screenshots, if you back the Kickstarter, you know that he is making a modern Castlevania game in the style of all the ones that people used to love. It's just called Bloodstained. And (laughs) as, like, one of the stretch goals for it was to make an NES version of the game as a prequel, and that's what this one is. So this is Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. And um, I played it on the Switch. It's basically that NES-style Castlevania, but with, like, modern conveniences, So the way to think about it is the way that like, you know, Shovel Knight is kind of a modern take on Mega Man, but it has like all of these things that we appreciate as a modern audience. That's how I felt with uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon compared to like those old Castlevania games.
1: I get that. And I mean, the... the original one well i guess the 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 main bloodstained is going to be like symphony of the night this is the dude who did symphony of the night and so uh that's what we're getting and unlike mighty number nine this particular game with curse of the moon proves that the main one is going to be worth waiting
0: for yeah, this was a really good game, and I beat it. I mean, I beat it in one day. It wasn't a super long game, but I, I really enjoyed my time with it, and it was pretty cheap. It's like $9 or something. Yeah. So, and it's
1: on a lot of different systems. I don't remember if it's on everything right now, but I it's know on it's on PC everything.
0: and Switch, so it should be on PS4 and Xbox as well. Yep, yep. Um. I guess the other thing I played on Switch this week was the Mario Tennis Aces, the online tournament demo, because the main game is not out yet, but it was like a free right. demo for the weekend. and. It convinced me to buy the game because it has interesting mechanics. It's like more interesting than I've ever played in the past Mario Tennis games. It did not convince me for the online portion because I just don't like playing against people in competitive Mm -hmm. sports games online, but I am... After playing this game and seeing the mechanics in it, I'm super excited for the single player mode. I wanted to download this
1: and didn't have time this weekend. And I'm really sad because I hate that Nintendo makes the timed betas and timed demos and all of this because I want to play the play this in particular and I just never had an opportunity to download it and get involved in, or get invested in it on the Switch.
0: Yeah, well, I will let you know when the
1: main game comes out how it is. Yeah, absolutely. Because this is one I've been interested in. Because back when the Wii first came out, I loved Wii Tennis. That was so much fun. And so when I they announced this one, I'm like, man, this is going to be like Wii Tennis all over again, except a full game with new stuff and cool things to do. And so I'm, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, weirdly, it's not that I never at thought all, I'd though. be excited for Mario Tennis. Is it not?
0: No, it's Mario Tennis. It's not. It's not Wii Sports. Wii Sports is like WAGGLE controls. This is like actual. There's a lot of strategy to it and controls and stuff. Really? Like, I didn't know that. Sorry to disappoint you. Have you not played a Mario tennis game before? Uh Uh-uh, never have. Oh, have you played any Mario sports game before? No. Okay, this surprises me. They all have surprising depth to them really see i've never
1: messed with any of them i've seen them and just never played them i've always just
0: not cared really none of them ever interested me enough to play okay so Wii sports outside of bowling because bowling is actually like pretty decent um all of the other Wii sports games are kind of like i don't want to say like baby's first sports game but they're kind of like waggle control like fudging the edges there's not a lot to them they're extremely simple um, right Mario sports games are you do you remember when we were talking about how you and I have both liked sports games over the years but only when they're arcadey sports games yeah okay Mario sports games are arcadey sports games okay that's what they are at the core yeah I mean it's just like a Mario skin put on top of it so right it's tennis but there's like one two three four five six or seven different kinds of shots you can do off of okay. a racket and there's like energy meters to manage and there's special moves to manage and there's positioning and like I don't know there's lots of things that goes into it that you would never think of from like a Wii Sports perspective. Hmm. All right
1: that I mean that sounds like what I'm looking for so I'm excited to see it and it does have motion controls doesn't
0: it? I don't think so. Does it not really? No I don't know how it would with the complexity that goes into it, hmm. yeah, we'll see. I'll let you know when the game comes yeah, out. for Yeah, let me know. Um, but it convinced me to buy it, so I'll get. I'll be grabbing that. And then I also played uh, Dauntless, which is an open beta on PC right now. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's an open beta, but like quotes around <laughs> that because <laughs> if a game comes out. And you can spend money on it, and the servers are live, and they're never going to wipe the servers. Your game is launched. Like yeah, it's launched. It doesn't matter what you're calling it. That's a that's a live game. So Dauntless is live now. It's a live game, despite what they say. And I, I was really torn on this one. It's like a less good Monster Hunter, but mm. but it actually understands the internet. So it made. <laughs> I mean, at the in the end, I played like five hours of this game, maybe six hours. Um, It made me want more or it just it made me want the Monster Hunter team to better understand the Internet. It didn't actually hook me (laughs) on Dauntless as a game because like the the online integration is just so much better than anything in Monster Hunter. You just like hit a button and then you're in a game with four other people and it's fun and you get bonuses for being with them. And there's like incentive to go back and like randomly be placed into a match between a bunch of them um so that you get bonuses and then you're going to help somebody who's on an actual mission like a bunch of the things that we like from Final Fantasy 14's integration yeah you know are done in this game and done really well it's just that the main gameplay isn't anywhere as interesting as Monster Hunter and as one of my friends put it uh, it's almost like 15 years of iterative game design actually matters <laughs> which Uh, (laughs) I mean I can't fault him for saying that he's completely right so if you're interested in it if you really love Monster Hunter if you can't get enough you might as well give Dauntless a try it's completely free but for me it just made me want Monster Hunter to do the internet better next time it releases a game I think Mm. and that's
1: sad that this game just made you want another game to be better because this one wasn't good enough
0: yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I guess the other thing that I did this week that I am sure I'll dig into even more in future weeks, I started Persona 5 again. I started my New Game Plus run, finally. And Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Was it New Game Plus or just, a yes. f- or just a full New Game? Nope, it's a New Game Plus. I think I'm going to try to platinum it because it's supposed to be way easier on New Game Plus because you mm. start with, well, all my stats are maxed out because I did that in my first playthrough. And there's just a bunch of things that help you the second time like you retain all of your items, you retain all of your stats, you retain all of the personas that you had registered and all of the money oh. that you carry over from the last game. So like if I wanted to break the game right now, I could just summon the highest level persona that I had from my first playthrough and then just like stomp through the game. Yeah. That's not what I'm doing, but I could. Um yeah, there's there's a lot that is appealing in the New Game Plus mode. That being said, like the first palace, trying to just get to the point where that unlocks is long. It's like three or four hours, and I knew <laughs> that, but knowing it and going through it a second time are two very different things. Right. That's and it's like what you said, like when you lost your Persona 4 save, you didn't want to go back and replay it because there's so much in the intro to these games that it's so, a lot. And it's I'm still sad about that. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, I don't want to so, do it. I mean, I, you know, the Persona 5 in particular, it doesn't fully open up until you have unlocked the first palace all the way. And then you finally get freedom to do stuff every day. And that's my favorite part of the game is like the day in, day out decisions of like who you spend time with and what you're going to do and how you're going to like improve your character and improve your relationships in the time that you have. Mm, Um, Yeah, I find that really interesting. And I know you don't like that as much as I do, but that's my favorite part of Persona. So i finished the first palace and i'm halfway through the second palace right now i'm trying to wrap that up so that i have another huge chunk of time to just do free time with people mm, before the yeah. next like story beat after the second palace so that's where i am i'm not rushing through it this time um last time i was playing it to the exclusion of all else and i'm obviously not i mean look at all the other games i've played yeah. But until a new like you know huge game comes out that really fully invests me i think i'm just gonna keep picking away at persona until either i beat it or like we get to the busy season
1: right and even then you still have it have the save there where you can go back whenever you do feel like it
0: yeah well and one of the other things too is like it's i mean knowing the game now Um, I realized that it's actually a pretty decent podcast game if you're in palaces or if you're in mementos especially the Mm. second time through the game mementos is like the procedurally generated it's not an infinite dungeon but it might as well be like you can just keep going back to it and like grinding and like doing a bunch of stuff in there
1: okay Um, I gotcha
0: but those are great for if you just want to put in a podcast and just do something absentmindedly like you can work through a palace or you can work through mementos for a while and then if you actually want to focus on the game pop a headphone out and, like, just do the social stuff for a while, or the main story. So it's serving kind of both purposes for me right now, which is really nice. That's really great. And, you know, it wasn't until recently
1: I was reading an article about Chrono Trigger that you, the New Game Plus reminded me of this, that I didn't know that Chrono Trigger was the very first New Game Plus. That I knew it was out there, and I knew my next playthrough of Chrono Trigger was going to be a New Game Plus. I didn't realize that it was the very first time that was ever used. yeah
0: yeah it's pretty cool that they invented it there's a really good and maybe this is the article that you saw but chris kohler just wrote uh basically a chrono trigger review on kotaku and it's a review through a modern lens and it's really good and it reminded me how much i love that game and that i need to go back and play it again because it's probably one of the best jrpgs of all time
1: yeah it really is that was the article that i'd I'd seen that one get linked and i read it and it, it it really did make me want to play Chrono Trigger again, and uh, I made sure that I still have my save on my DS copy because it's such a, that's such a good copy. But it's only been a year or two since I've maybe a year and a half since I've played through it, and I'm working through others. But yeah, I'm going to be playing through it again because it's just too good not to.
0: Cool. Well, those are all of my. I did a lot of games this week. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks. That was fun. I'm glad that we got to talk through everything. Oh, the only other thing I want to mention for the week is WWDC is right now, and as of right now, as of this recording, it might be different by the time you're listening. They haven't announced a single new piece of Apple hardware, which means that the thing I'm most excited about is the dark mode for Mac OS, which is kind of like it's, it's funny. And then you're typing right now for job Fiesta. Yes, I should remind people the four job fiesta you can pre-register for the four job fiesta right now all the way through well you can register anytime now until it's done which is like i don't know august or something um but go pre-register and be with people who start right away i think the fiesta kicks off on the 17th it's always kind of a nebulous time because they do a speed run right beforehand and the game unlocks for everybody else as soon as the speed run is done but around june 17th is when the fiesta is kicking off but you can go you can pre-register you can see everybody else who's in there all you need Is a twitter account and i love the four job fiesta
1: yep so i'm not gonna do it this i'm not gonna do it but i remembered that with us closing up we need to make sure that people know that the registration is open we do
0: for sure and then next week e3 we're gonna talk e3 all week yeah and you're gonna talk e3 and i'm gonna be like Ooh, i can't wait Yes, that's the plan. Okay, that's probably it for this week. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. You can also find our longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek 2 And
1: we're on Slack, too, so go to Slack.geekTogeekcast.com for an invite, and we're also part of a podcast network. Remember, guys, go over to
0: geek2geekcast.com to see all of our shows. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's beach with two E's. We've been Void and Beej. You changed that. You threw me I off. did. That's shorter than it used to be. We've been Void and Beege with your Geek Geek Podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeks. We're still not mustard. And remember, this week, keep it geek.